With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire. Jeremy Moss here with Matt Kennerly. This is a timely show where news actually happened and Matt is joining me today. Not just me talking by myself for 15 minutes. Well, I mean, it's kind of okay. important, right? Media days requires, you know, it, our full attention, I think. Um, it's not media days, Matt. Haven't you heard it's the media summit? Yes. <laughs> I apologize. Did that bother you at all? I apologize for any confusion. <laughs> What's the deal with the media summit? Trying to class it up or something? I don't know. Well, this is the show here, collegefootballnews.com. We're the uh, Mountain West section, MWC Wire, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Since we're at the top of the show, we will discuss media days momentarily. But we have some other pressing news. I, and I think Matt as well, would like to challenge you in fantasy football. Was that correct, Matt? I want to I wanna whoop some people in fantasy football, yes. Ooh. All right, so here's the plan. If you go to our Patreon page, um, patreon.com backslash Wire. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll put the post at the top or figure that out, but about partway down, there's a section where you can, um, play, f- play football with us. It's only Mountain West football, which hence makes sense since we cover the Mountain West. Six teams per league, you get to play against one of our writers. We got about a handful who are interested already to play. It is for a cash prize, not a ton of money. We do have a hundred dollar league because a few people mentioned me on Twitter to create one like that. So we did. So the way it works you sign up for our Patreon page. It's either ten. We have like a ten dollar league, a twenty dollar, and like I said, a fifteen to hundred dollar league per person. Winner takes all, unless like Matt or me or some of whoever else, other writer wins. We don't get the money clearly. Second place gets it. We split the pot. Half goes to the for the winner. Half goes to support our website. So it's a win win. You help support our stuff because I like money. We'd appreciate a few dollars here and there. And you could win some money as well. And so, and if you beat us, it's bragging rights as well, right? Exactly. You could say, I beat that guy who claims to know what he's talking about. Well, and not only that, if you do partake in one of our fantasy football leagues, you get all of the other perks that some, some all of our patrons are already enjoying. So, you know, if you want to know who's coming up next on the Mountain West Football Top 50, that's part of the deal. Uh, the ad-free podcasts are part of the deal and a lot of other good stuff. I believe Jeremy made a video about it earlier this afternoon. So yep. go, go check that out. And that's on our Facebook page, MWC Wire. There's also like we'll have power polls, rankings you can be part of throughout the year, a couple of articles that'll be only there. If you don't want to do that, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to. You can visit our website. That'd be awesome. You can listen to our podcast, tell a couple friends. And yeah. That type of stuff. Let's get on to the fun stuff, though. Let's do it. Mountain West Media Summit. I will say, I will, I will bashfully or quietly say Summit. All right, so where should we start? Should we start the Player of the Year, All Conference, um, Order Finish? Let's start with the Player of the Year. First off, we, we should mention our, we made our own list of this as well here. Mm-hmm. We made a 
staff pick of about what was it ended up being a dozen is that right uh yeah there were 12 of us on the staff who ended up voting in it all right so we voted for this our player of the year was oh shoot my my internet's frozen i already forgot it was not the picture of you and player player. was the media's player of the year it was josh allen you do you have the results in front of you do you happen to have those handy? Uh, if you give me, I mean, if you give me a minute, I can pull up the thing. But I can tell you that you know the quarterback debate was, you know, a lot closer than just about any other position. Like it, the way it was set up was that we asked our writers to at least submit a first team selection, and if they wanted to, they could submit a second team selection. And what actually ended up happening with the quarterback race was that both Brett Rippon and Josh Allen got six votes apiece for the first team. And the reason we ended up giving it to Josh Allen was the fact that he was listed on more second team ballots than he was than Brett Rippon was. You may not think that's fair, but tough. I mean, it's preseason. It's it's us trying not to take it too seriously. Yeah, but we are the same as the media, so what does that mean? That we more in the right direction, I'm guessing? Well, I mean, our motto is we're biased against your team, and, you know, sorry, Boise State. <laughs> Even though I'm allegedly a Boise State homer. Exactly. So, but, the way it went, so, oh, continue. I was just going to say, what struck me, like, after looking at how we voted versus how the media voted at large, I was really struck by how similar the results were i think there were maybe one or two athletes that were different on our votes than in the media vote and one note we should mention we added an extra spot an extra wide receiver spot Mm -hmm. because we went three wide receiver deep and the media had gallup michael gallup from csu Devontae boyd unlv we had cedric wilson as our third receiver but they only went with two wide receivers and there was, I know that there were some Boise State fans out there who disagreed with the selection of Boyd over Wilson. So I was curious as to what your thoughts on that were. Well, I'm just – it's – the thing with Boyd, we know he has talent. He's done well. He was hurt part of last year, which definitely hurts his cause. But I think – I'm sort of surprised. I believe I picked – I think I went with all three of those. I know I had Wilson at least a first team regardless. But – I think maybe where my I would have gone with Wilson over Boyd is because look who's throwing him the ball. That has to play a part of it too. Brett Rippin compared to Armani Rogers. Come on, it's Brett Rippin clearly. And that I would take I would pick if I were to or- order those three, I'd go Gallup, Wilson, then Boyd. Based on that, who's throwing him the ball? I think that that's fair. The one thing that Boyd has on on Wilson is the fact that while he wasn't 100% last year, you know, he has a longer track record than Wilson. And I think that when it comes to this kind of voting, you know, maybe I'm assuming too much of Mountain West voters, but I suspect that they give a lot of credence to track record. So, you know, while I'm not personally offended by you know the omission of wilson over, uh, in favor of boyd i think i can kind of see where the argument comes from because you know in his one year as a starter opposite thomas spurback last year you know he was basically the biggest big play 
receiver in the entire conference. Like he was the only receiver in the conference to average 20 yards a catch with at least 50 catches. And he's definitely going to have a lot more on his plate now that Spurbeck has moved on. So I can kind of see where Broncos fans are coming from on that one. I would as well because also this is Wilson's Juco guy, first year in the league. But then here's the thing too. Here's why my argument's against Boyd. Boyd's last complete year where he played 12 games in 2015, here's his numbers. 54 receptions, 904 yards, 16 yards per catch, 7 TDs. Or as you mentioned, uh, uh, Wilson, he had more TDs, more more better average per catch, and more yards. Receptions were about the same. And Will, I think what Wilson had two more receptions. Yeah, Wilson's numbers in one year is more is better than quite a bit better overall outside of receptions compared to Boyd. And so that's why I think well, my guy had four more touchdowns. He averaged four more yards per catch. He had h- hundreds of yards more than Boyd, like two hundred yards more than Boyd. And I get the track record thing too, but. I don't think that's really the case because in 2014, Boyd, I guess he had back-to-back years about the same. So maybe, I don't know, maybe they went that way. I I would have gone, I went Wilson for me because he was going to be throwing the ball more often by a better quarterback. And maybe people are thinking, well, Wilson's numbers are that because Spurback was the main guy. But still, 80 catches, 56, it's like they weren't always covering Spurback. And he had more touchdowns as well. So I don't it's. There's a lot of good receivers in the league, like yourself, Keyshawn Johnson. You'll have guys like uh, Josh John Ursa from Hawaii. Maybe White Demps will do something that wide open offense for Nevada. But it's there's a lot of good receivers, so it's hard to nitpick. But that's what we're doing for that spot, I think. So then, here's my follow up question: Then is and I'm, I'm trying to think of how to explain this. You know how we had this debate all of last season about who would be the first team running backs, right? And it ended up being Donnell Pumphrey and Brian Hill. So is Cedric Wilson this year's Jeremy McNichols, in your opinion? Uh, I'd say so, yeah, right now. That makes sense. It's a good analogy. I'd say running back overall is better, but the depth this league has relative to each other, yeah, that makes sense. It's also preseason, too, and so it's preseason. So then, you know, the other thing that you pointed out that actually the athletes themselves were pointing out on Twitter yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, the bigger potential story is the fact that there were no San Diego State defenders on the all-conference defense. Yeah, Parker Bald was not too happy on Twitter. (laughs) So... that is a big deal. It's, it's a if you dig deep, I don't think it's overly surprising because. But then again, it sort of is because the only position I would think is like the safety position or defensive back, like Parker Baldwin, or those are the type of positions that have it because who they lost last year. I mean, I get the sense that if if the media had decided to go too deep, like our own list did, mm-hmm. I feel like you would see you know maybe half a dozen Aztecs on that second team you know squad regardless like you would have a spot i would think for someone like sergio phillips and you'd have a spot for baldwin definitely and you know ron smith ronley lakalaka those kinds of guys who are probably going to do really big things for this defense this year so then you know if you were going to put one guy onto the first team defense and take one guy off oh man who would you take off of 
among let the me, that they voted for. Let me pull up the list here because I'm trying to get both here. Like, and, you look at secondary, and that's a tough – I would say – okay, here's where I would go. I would go secondary and remove uh, Travion Henderson or Trayvon Henderson. And who would you put and, in there? Well, Parker Baldwin. Interesting. Safety and defensive back is deep. I, I well, maybe I'm more. I don't. Know. Part of the reason Baldwin, I know he's probably he might be he may even not be their best defender because me um not me. Sorry, looking offense. Like Sergio Phillips has a chance to be really good. I think. But if you look at what San Diego State secondary has always done, it's always a position where there's with their three three five always opportunities to make big plays, get interceptions, and pass breakups. Which I think he has the most potential to maybe have the most eye-popping numbers on the defense. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I think that I would agree. But then, you know, and rather than Baldwin, I think a better fit might be Cameron Kelly. Cameron because, you know, while, you know, Baldwin might be the most important defender in that in that backfield, I feel like Kelly might be the best, if that makes sense. You can make an argument for him. Both of them, like when you look at Athlon and Phil Steele, they all made going for. I know they both go four deep, but they are both high on that list. And in, and I mean, even even though we're talking about those two guys, you're still ignoring someone like Ron Smith, who you know even as a freshman last year made a very strong case for himself. It's going to be interesting to see who ends up on the postseason list instead. Oh, it will be, and they go too deep on that, and so that'll obviously more chances. But just, but I, I do agree. I think you. I'm pretty sure you do that. The best defense is still probably San Diego State overall. Oh, absolutely. I could maybe say like CSU, but with losing Davis, Kevin Davis at linebacker, who's I think he's with the NFL team, or at least got picked up somewhere along the lines. He was a huge, huge loss for them. But I'd still go Aztecs and Rams, and after that, it's. I don't know, maybe Boise State. San Jose State has some good players, but overall they're not going to have the talent. I guess Wyoming, win guard. Because let me ask you this, and let's transition here. Win guard, a defensive player of the year, did that surprise you that him and Josh Allen were both sides uh, of the ball getting the MVP? No, I mean, I don't think so. Just because I felt like there were very good cases to be made for three or four different guys. Like if it had been you know someone like David Moa, you know, I wouldn't have been upset about that. If it had been someone like, you know, Andre Chachri, you know, that's fine too. If it had been someone like Jelani Tavai, you know, those are all really good guys that, who do different things for the defenses they play for. All right, so here's some interesting thing I was going to look at. For, so I couldn't screenshot yesterday because my computer was being dumb. Like you said, we were nearly identical for most of these picks. Like, we missed, we skipped over the running or the running back position here, but we got Rashard Penny. No brainer would have been Butler, but uh, he's now with Iowa. Was mm-hmm. it a surprise to you that Tyrone Owens got the first team nod? Number one back on the number one running team in the country last year? Not really. Okay. The only other guy may be Dalen Dock and Jersey Matthews, but they may have split some votes to go there to that spot. And but yeah, like overall looking at like offense and defense, like we were pretty cl- not not to say we know what we're doing, but we're pretty close for most everything. I most everything. Who did you vote for for Player of the Year? Was it on offense? Was it Josh Allen? Um, without having that in front of me, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I voted for Josh Allen. Um, I, actually, you I know, know what? I, if you keep talking for a minute, I can tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you who I went for. I went for Brett Rippin just because, like, people were saying, like, there was a list earlier today. The guys from Forgotten Five put out their top twenty-five 
like G5 guys. And some guys like, where's Josh Allen? He should be a top five on the list. He's going to be like the second quarterback taken. Well, it's not an NFL list, buddy. And so me and Nick had some DMs talking about it, about a few different things like, hey, help me out. Back me up on this guy or tell me why I'm wrong. But I went with Rippin because college stats and Rippin is the better quarterback with production the last year. And so the, I, my pick was Rippin. And I've told this people, like I was on ESPN 1100 in Las Vegas today. I was on Hawaii's uh, 1420 yesterday. I keep telling people, and maybe I'll be wrong, and we should CC old takes exposed, but don't be shocked if Nick Stevens, end of the year, gets first-team quarterback. That's true. And, I mean, even I think there's even a case to be made, like, if some of these guys surprise, you know, someone like Arian Worthman, or, you know, maybe leading into something else we could talk about, someone like Christian Chapman. Oh, man. No, never. Sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> what do you What do you think about his proclamation? That he's going to explode or be great this year? Yeah. I, well, here's the thing. Like, I know I'm harsh on him, and I was very harsh on Max Smith, Maxwell Smith. I he I, he can't be worse. I, well, let me. Uh, well, that's a bad to say too. He has more talent around him because. Without looking, can you name me any San Diego State wide receiver that's been anything of note over the past four years? Well, Michael Holder was pretty good last year. He, they didn't ask yeah, that's him to a... do too much, but he did, if I'm not mistaken, average 20 yards catch. Yeah, that's quite good. And part of it is, and I tell people all the time, they don't like the air, but they get Michael Holder, he only caught 27 passes last year to a game. And so my point is, with Chapman, it's not necessarily his skill set overall, it's more along the lines. You have the all-time leading rusher in college football history handing the ball off to Donald Pumphrey. Rashard Penny, a backup, had over 1,000 yards. And Jawan Washington still had a handful of touchdowns as well as a third back and multiple hundreds of yards running the ball. So I've always said, like even last year, if they give Chapman the opportunity to throw the ball, maybe there's a chance he could be better or he should be better. But they don't ask him to do it. And so it's like I always said with Maxwell Smith. I don't trust him. Anytime he's asked to throw it for 20 times or more per game, the result wasn't very good. Chapman is better than Smith. And like I said last year, and I said a few times during the offseason, if you look back at that Wyoming game, he had to go 98 yards or 99 yards. He led them down the field. I would never predict him to do that. And he'd be at the bottom of my list of any quarterback out there to do that. I think he's going to be better. But until the offense requires or asks him to throw the ball, I can't say he's much better than the average quarterback in the conference. And see, I don't know that I disagree with that because we've seen him lead those, you know, critical drives late in games. I think, that... but, can, but but my thing is, can he do it every week? Like, is he? Are you going to ask him to throw twenty five times every game? No. I mean, I would agree with that, but what I'm saying, and is... that's what I'm getting at. Like, how good can he be if he's going eight of fourteen or nine of nine of thirteen every game? I mean, That's efficient and good, but it's not like great quarterback. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see just how much they try to play off a of play action if the running game is as good this year as it was last year. You know, I'm not saying that Chapman has to throw 25 times a game to make. He knows how to take. He knows how to take. He knows how to take care of the. How to take care of the. How to take care of the football. And we already know that he has at least one big play receiver on the outside and. You know, a couple of running backs who are going to be really good, you know, dump off options if he's ever in trouble. It's just, I'm not sure how it's going to show up in games, but I think that if they ask him to throw, 
you know, 20 times a game, 21 times a game, you know, if he can average, you know, 10 yards per attempt on those, that's all of a sudden he's bumping up against 200 yards per game. And that's essentially what, you know, someone like Kent Myers did last year. And if he can be better than and more accurate than Kent Myers was, that's a significant step for this Aztecs offense. It is. He, he averaged 17 attempts per game, nearly eight yards per attempt at 7.9. And this includes games where, okay, he, this is including the New Hampshire game where he went 16 to 25. And he did good versus Cal, 14 of 23. But then you have games like four of nine versus Utah State, seven of 12 versus Fresno State, six of 13 versus Wyoming in the Mountain West Championship game. So then here's, rather, here's my question then. How is that any different from bad games that Brett Rippon and Josh Allen have had in the past? True, but those guys can throw for 400 yards a game sometimes. Look at the yard total, 72. He had one, two, three, four games of fewer than 100 yards. He had zero over 300. The most was in, as New Hampshire at 283. Like his best game was probably was UNLV, I'll say here, 15 to 20. 215 yards and 10 yards per attempt. One touchdown. The Northern Illinois game was pretty good, but only 11 of 19. He does it like, yeah, he's efficient. Like 13 of 18 is great, but he versus San Jose State only had 167 yards. My point is, he's not a guy who's going to go 18 for like 20 for 35 and 320 yards. I don't see. I haven't seen it happen. Maybe he can. I know he's not asked asked to do that, but. He's not. He doesn't have an explosive game in his career, and that's. I look at what I could see, like he. They don't. They don't need him to do it, but he also hasn't done it. So, how confident can he be that he's going to have a couple of games where he gets to three hundred and twenty yards or even three hundred yards? See, I think the best counter argument I can make is that at least last year he didn't really have a lot of opportunities to really put the game on his shoulders because. You know, even when he was only 7 of 12 against Fresno State, that's because they didn't really need him to do that. They didn't really need him to do all those things a lot last year. Well, I mean, that's my point, though. They don't ask him to, and so it's hard to tell. And we saw kind of both instances where, at least in the first game against Wyoming, you know, he led that 99-yard drive. And in the second game, the championship game against the Cowboys, he was only 6 of 13. To me, I think that those are both of the, you know, they tell you something different. They tell different stories about the kind of quarterback that he can be. And if they end up playing more close games this year, that I think is really where the rubber is going to meet the road because, you know, I'm, I'm breaking down by, you know, by the numbers last year, he only threw 36 times when they were within one score. And that's basically one game's worth of throws for, you know, someone in a spread offense it's going to be really interesting to see when he has more opportunities like that, when he has more opportunities to make plays in big situations, how is he going to respond? I'm, that's kind of one of the big questions going into the year for me. Yeah, that's my thing as well, because like last time we'll move on, but until like he ha- he hasn't been asked to do it, but he also hasn't done it. So it's like, well, yeah, he goes 13 of 18 for San Jose State, but you'll see Brett Rippin throw for, what was it last year? New Mexico, did he throw like 60 times or something? It was something ridiculous like that, yeah. Something like that's what, that's what my point is. Like, I'm not doubting his talent. Well, maybe I am a little bit, but until I see him have a game where he does that, it's hard to tell. Or maybe it's better, like you said, look more at that Wyoming game where he did drive 
nine was it ninety eight ninety nine yards for the uh, potential game winning try and score in game winning play that failed two point attempt after. So maybe it's those things we look at. But here's my thing: he doesn't need to be great. But I said it before: if they had a passing offense that was better than what it was with the same running threat, they should be undefeated the past two years. Well, I guess we'll find out. All right, so let's get to the order of finish because we're kind of bouncing around a little bit here. Okay. On a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you that the media picked Boise State to win the Mountain Division? On a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, what was your surprise factor? Like 10 being, whoa, crazy, crazy. Um, I mean, I don't know that I was that surprised. I would say maybe a 4 or 5. Like, we know that Boise State's going to be a good team and they're going to be in the mix. What I think is very telling is I was reading a couple of the kind of explainers that some of the beat writers were writing, like Chris Murray from the Reno Gazette Journal. And I know that at least he personally seemed like he kind of agonized over the choice, I believe. Uh, I don't have the article in front of me, but I'm pretty sure to him it was between Boise and Colorado State. So I'm not surprised that they chose the Broncos to win the division. I suspect that, you know, the point totals between the three teams at the top don't really tell the whole story. I suspect that a lot of the media, you know, kind of like me personally, when I was filling out my own order of finish, was really trying to think about how this division was going to fall because the last couple of years, it's been really hard to predict. It has, but I, I wasn't surprised one bit because college football is weird. Because despite there being so much turnover, because you only get four or five years to play, essentially, if you've done well, you're going to get the respect no matter what, deservedly or not. Mm -hmm. And part of that is because if you're a better team, you'll recruit better, and you should have similar or better talent coming in each and every year to replace the outgoing players. And so that's why you always see Boise State, like at any of these early preseason polls, they're either the only Mountain West team considered or they're... Like, I mean, on the outside looking in, like, team, people like, oh, I considered team A, B, and C, and Boise State's there. Boise State's 22 to 25. Do they deserve to be in the top 25? I don't know. I don't think they do, really. But they've done it forever, and that's the reason they got that many votes. I was surprised of how many votes it was, but not the outcome, because my pick was Colorado State. And like I said, I've been on CSU since last November of them being the team to beat. But I don't think, well, I mean, like, I, I think I'm capping them out like at eight wins. Like, I don't see them being a contender for the conference one bit there. But my, like, I go back again, like, with Josh Allen, he only completes 55% of his passes last year. He forces his stuff versus BYU. He tries to flip the goal line against Eastern Michigan. Remember, this team lost to Eastern Michigan last year. Don't forget that, folks. This Wyoming team lost to Eastern mm. Michigan. And so, like, I get they have talent and everybody loves Josh Allen, but, and we'll go through this again. You hear our Wyoming preview a while back. We'll have our big preseason preview of some other stuff, but you lose three guys, three, your three best players outside of Allen on offense to the NFL, your center, receiver, and best running back of all time. It's, and if Allen might be better, but will stats be better? Will he move the field down the field better? Like, I think they have a, an okay chance versus Iowa and maybe even Oregon. But I I think I put I, – I probably put I, – no, I, I know for a fact in my prediction, I went CSU, Boise, New Mexico, then Wyoming. But then the media goes with Air mm -hmm. Force ahead of New Mexico. 
are you was that how your line of thinking was the falcons are better than the lobo lobos no i mean well actually yeah uh but you know my own order of finish ended up going way off of what you know everybody else seems to think is going to happen so um, what was yours in so remind everybody in my order this is probably a spoiler for some of the podcasts we haven't done yet but if you've been we got two left come on (laughs) but if you've been paying attention if you've been listening you could probably piece it together already so i have colorado state at the top and then i have air force new mexico boise wyoming and utah state that's right yeah boise perdillo i mean i still have them winning nine games but i have them finishing fourth in the division so all right so the west division not much to say aztecs unanimous choice hawaii unlv nevada san jose fresno state i think that's pretty pretty on the nose particularly since nevada lost james butler i feel like fresno state i mean i don't know why they decided to choose them last I can tell you a few reasons, but you probably don't want to hear them. I mean, I know that we covered a lot of stuff in the podcast that we just did. I just feel like, you know, they yeah, they're going to have some their questions on defense, but the offense is going to be better than it was last year. Like they're they're going to win games that they that they didn't win last year. I'm hoping that they're going to be a little bit smarter this year with regards to coaching and play calling and things like that. I feel I could. I can see them finishing as high as fourth, but it'll be not. It'd be like they all tie with like two wins in conference or something. Yeah. But I don't. It's the bottom two. Like they're, we know they're not going bowling, but it's it's there's a in the West there's a huge gap between San Diego State and Hawaii, and even between Hawaii and UNLV, I think there's a pretty sizable gap, and then there's a huge gap between the rest of conference division. I would say. Yeah. Uh, Nevada. San Jose Fresno. I would agree with. You. So that's how it play. That's how it plays out. Um. So should we? Let's get to some other news and notes. Let's go to Craig Thompson's uh, talk. Did you happen to hear him speak the other day? I did not. I listened to I think ninety percent of it, and I wrote an article at over at collegefootballnews.com about what is he doing. He has no enthusiasm toward the conference. It seems like because. I did a podcast recently with the guys from Daily Stampede, South Florida, talking about Mike Gresco, Power Six. You wrote an article about how it's absurd they're going for the Power Six. That's fine. That's do what they do. They get, but the thing is, they're excuse me, they're getting the name out there. Thompson was asked, like I was tweeting, I'm like tweeting to whoever, like Jesse Kurtz, who was moderating, I'm like ask a real question about this thing. Nobody like this question. I think it was Dave Southhorn from the Idaho Statesman who finally asked. Near the end, this is about a 45-minute conversation with everybody. This is about 35-minute mark near the tail end. Finally asks, not even as directly as I would have asked if I had been there, but basically saying, what are you doing to promote the league? Because look what the American's doing. And Craig Thompson has his little... Canned answer. Yeah, it's not canned, but not even like enthusiastic. It's like you hear Resco speak. He's all over. He's excited. He's pumping it up. And Thompson's like, well... Our record is what a record is. We were the first BCS busters with Utah. There's only so long you can hang on to Utah and TCU, what they did in the conference, going to the Rose Bowl, winning two Fiesta Bowls, beating Alabama. Can't really count Boise State, one of them when they were in the uh, – beating Oklahoma, and then also when the, they beat TCU in the Fiesta Bowl. So it's like, how does that work out? And so he to me it's like – I even, cause I even spoke with the guys in Las Vegas today – uh, I think it was Steve Cofield. He's like, well, he came on our show and did say the same thing. He's like, well, like 
he's like, I wasn't going to poke the bear to get into response, but he's like, show me some enthusiasm because the average Joe in in Oklahoma and Florida and on these coasts in the Central Times and even people in California are they going to look up how the Mountain West did in, in the BCS or New Year's Six bowl games? They don't care. There's a couple years ago, multiple years, the conference has won ten games, or teams have won ten games or more. Nobody cares unless you go to the big money bowl game. But his thing is like, oh, our record stands what it is. We saw what San Diego State did last year in the Las Vegas Bowl, beating Houston. We have this. We've been the best conference amongst the peers in G five. But he doesn't bring up any. I want to see them do something, and he's not. And it's frustrating. So if you if you were the commissioner, oh boy, what would you do differently, <laughs> or what would you have done differently, or said differently, in Thompson's shoes? As a knowing what we knowing what we know from what the Americans done since last or, year, yeah, or even just seeing what they were doing with their hashtag American Pow Sixer hashtag, I would call them out and say how ridiculous it is. Because like I get he, I get their friends and we don't want to like I was joking like it could be like the WWE or something like can be the bad guy and just call out Oresco and stuff but he would he I would like he could say the same things he's saying to a point but be passionate about it he's like well we we beat Alabama in the Fiesta in the Sugar Bowl we've we've never lost a game in the in the BCS or playoff era it's like okay great but he, knowing what we know from the American last year he would come out and say like. I get well maybe maybe I'm not the best person to talk about it, but do something to bring out some numbers, bring out some information, tell them what you're doing, tell them who watches the game, tell them success the leagues have like yes, but you need to do it in a better way. Because Oresco's a former TV guy. I'm not sure what Craig Tom Craig Thompson formerly was he Sunbelt Commissioner, I believe, before. I believe, or something, but he you need to present an attitude and he can still say the same things he said, if that makes sense. Oresco's going way crazy saying P6, but he should call them out and say, there's no seat in the power six or better. Here's what I would have said. I, I finally, cause you put me on the spot okay. yeah, a little bit there to that. answer this question. No, it's okay. I'm just thinking now, when you go back to the mountain West years ago, there was technically a criteria written down that a team could insert itself into the BCS. I think it was, um, I don't remember. It was somebody at SI maybe is when, Stuart Mandel was there, or maybe it's Andy Staples. They were put out the criteria like it's like when I forget I forget what the criteria was, but the Mountain West is better than the Big East, better than the ACC at certain points, better than the Big Ten in certain criteria, and their average was still where it should have been. But then again, the Thompson alluded to this the other day because to get to an access bowl like the Big Money Bowl game, the Power Five's got to vote you in, and they're never going to vote anybody in, which is why the American thing is silly on surface. But they have the public perception for maybe next negotiation or TV deal. He should brought this up. Like we were, like he said, we were, we've been the best league amongst our peers since Oh four. I would bring up and say, we had a shot to get in. We were there, but we were shut out because they didn't want to include us. And he, I don't care if it's eight years ago, but point out that stuff. Like after Utah beat the uh, Fiesta beat Alabama, we had TCU come into the league, do what they did. Rose bowl with Boise state come to the league, went to the Fiesta bowl. We were at the point where we were included and maybe play like not the under maybe play like the underdog card like they wouldn't let us in despite us being better than them something like that like we've proven we've been as good or better than these teams we like call them out like we had a better record X versus the Big Ten or ACC or because there were statistics proven where the numbers the BCS provided said if you reach this threshold you could get in it wasn't a guaranteed but he should go back and bring that up yeah it was six or seven years ago 
but like 2010, I believe, but bring that stuff up and say, we were as good as them. They shut us out. They wouldn't allow us in, even though we were better than them. Something like that. I don't care if it's old, but bring that up because it's true. While he did say, yeah, we've been better here and there, his way he says it is terrible. There are numbers online. I could probably look it up because I know I've written about it in the past. He should have brought that point up and say, I get what the Americans doing. Like appreciate their put their name out there. We're doing, they're looking for their next TV deal, trying to be included, but we've done it. We've actually proven to be better than these other power conferences during the BCS era era. And we continue to send teams like our conference champion is always in the mix to get that big money bowl game. And he, he had opportunities to bring stuff up like that, but he didn't bring any of it up. And that's what I would have done pointing back when they, when the numbers were out where they were included and they were at the point where, yeah, we're better than these other six leagues. Bring that up. That's what I would have done. So do you think he should have been more like Rocky long? What was that? Oh, <laughs> I kind of remember what, it, what it, I love that. And it was, and it would just remind yeah, everybody can... of something that I that I came across, you know, when right after Rocky Long said that yesterday, um, you know, the Mountain West is six and five against the Americans since it came into being in 2013, and you know, I know that you know Coach Long was more specifically referring to his back-to-back, you know, basically dominant wins in the Hawaii Bowl and the Las Vegas Bowl the last couple of years, but. You know, the league as a whole has acquitted itself very well against this, you know, so-called Power Six conference. No, don't give them credit. Don't call okay, them well, that. that's why I said so-called. <laughs> this alleged yeah, Power yeah. Six conference. Yeah. I mean, at a minimum, I would have said that. I would have pointed out that, yes, we have more wins against this conference than they have against us. And I also would have pointed out, you know, something that I believe it was Brett McMurphy said on Twitter did you realize the American is one and eight in the last three years in bowl games against other group of five teams? I did not know. Did that. you also note that that is the worst bowl record in the last three years against group of five teams among any of the group of five conferences? But Houston beat Florida State. Come I'm on. just saying, you know, there are ways to indirectly and directly say that the American needs to raise their game to get on the Mountain West's level. If that were me. That's how I would have done it. And also, you bring in the bull record. Wasn't it two years ago Mountain West had the best winning percentage amongst all conferences? A couple years Without ago, I having believe. that Wikipedia page in front of me, I do not know. I remember there's one year where they won some some random trophy or something that you could get. And so, for I, f- I forget what it's called, some made-up thing. But it, there's a point, too. Like, I get their point. Like, it's, it's tough, like... People like when you wrote your piece, there's a bunch of comments on there. I put it over at Reddit, CFB to see if they would say like, well, bull records, who cares? It doesn't matter. But how do you compare? If, I get it. You lose Justin Fuente. You lose Brian Kelly from Cincinnati you get blown, when they're in the Big East before they came over to the America when they lost to what Florida and Sugar Bowl. I get it. You lose coaches that move on because they get better deals. Like if you're that good of a conference, your coaches don't leave. But you still have to compare somehow because there's so few games the data points you have are so few and far between. So when we play bowl games, yeah, I know they play SEC number eight or something. Mountain West would love to play a better Pac-12 team in the Vegas Bowl. But you play who you play, and and it's hard for Mountain West to say, I'm the champion, give me Pac-12 number three in the Vegas Bowl. That's just hard to come by. But you got to win those games, and you got to have a better record. And then also Resco can't lie and say they're 20-2 and two 
against a P uh, G five last year. We're still looking for clarification. When I talked to Colin Sherwin from daily stampede, but he, that's what he said, but maybe there's some, something in the transcription or missed part of the quote or something, but you got to win the games. I don't care who you're playing. It's like when I say with San Diego state, you don't lose to South Alabama. If you're the American and you say you're as good as ACC or the big 10, or you deserve $30 million for your TV deal or be included to the Fiesta bowl or cotton bowl every year, peach bowl. You can't like, so you can't go one and eight. That's true. Try winning more than one big time new year's day bowl game and then get back to us. Yeah, and it's and also they got mad too when I mentioned or and I you put in the article that, yeah, well Central Florida was great that year when they beat uh, Baylor, was it yes. in the Fiesta Bowl? I'll still say by they were gifted that spot, even though some of the comments, well, legally speaking, they earned that bid. I'm like, well, yeah, but it wasn't the Big East; it was a different conference by then. And so that why that counts, like they probably would have gotten in no matter what, with how good S- Central Florida was that year. They weren't. <laughs> The conference is was I'm still convinced that Fresno State could have beaten that Central Florida team. They smoke Baylor though, man. That would have been a great game to watch. UCF versus Derek Carr slinging the ball to uh, Devontae Adams, current Back Packer. Blake oh, that would have been nice, good. right? Oh, sorry, Brandon. <laughs> I, I, but that's my point about him saying that. And then let's go to bit. Let's. That's enough on that. We're not going to make this too much on that because. You know our feelings. It's I get what they're doing, but do better, on. Craig. Yeah, Craig. It's like, Craig, Craig, do something better. And one last thing, like when I was chatting with the guys in Vegas today, they brought up because you got the new fancy stadium coming to the Vegas Raiders mm-hmm. in town. He's like, how is that beneficial for the conference? How is that gonna? How can that help the conference? And he basically answered, well, it's a good place for the Rebels to play. That's about it. I'm like. And they were upset with me. Like, we were going back and forth. They're like, oh, you're pretty passionate. I'm like, well, yeah, you would, you'd be upset too. He's like, I'm too old for, to do that, to kind of get after him. But his point was the same. It's like, you have this nice stadium. I don't even think he mentioned once the CSU stadium. Maybe I missed it. Because you hear Bob Davey, Rocky Long, uh, Craig Bull talking about facilities within the conference, how they're getting better. Mm-hmm. But to say, like, he's giving you a, a – this is like a softball answer. Hey, Raiders, NFL teams come into one of your team conferences' home stadium now. Raiders and Rebels are intertwined. How can that be good for the conference? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. Well, we can get better opponents. You, can, but doesn't say. Well, maybe we can get a better bowl game with the Vegas Bowl moving there. Say instead of Pac-12 six, get Pac-12 four or five, a little bit better. Maybe there can be better games for neutral site games or a Mountain West title game. None of that was said, and you already know because. The Pac-12 is going to move there eventually because they're they're ending in 2019 in Levi Stadium. BYU's already playing Arizona there. It's going to be a site for these big neutral site games that are in Arlington at NRG at the new Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That's going to be a spot, and is the Mountain West going to be included? They better be, but I'm not confident they will. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you beat me to my point about the Pac-12 already talking about moving to Vegas, which, you know, on, on the surface, why? The Pac-12 doesn't really have any ties with Vegas unless they pay, unless they play the basketball tournament there. I have no idea. They do. They play at T-Mobile Arena. They've been there for oh. a couple of years. I mean, and, I, and that, I guess, tenuously makes sense. But, I mean, come on, Greg. It's, I know. It's like you got to like get something. Like, I already know because my closeness to what I do did or do with BYU it's not official, but that Arizona game is going to be there. 
and I posed a question on that show I worked for. I'm like, they're gonna have, they should have a game there every year, and there's so many people LDS faith in the area, either in in Las Vegas, or driving from where I'm at here in Utah. It's a five five to six hour drive, feasible. People from Southern California, three and a half, four to five hour, well, what five hour drive from LA, mm-hmm. six hours from here at Central California. It's a reasonable place. They could sell that out. You will play BYU, whoever, they'll get half the stadium minimum. And so they're not, but why not? I don't know. It's just, they're going to take over the stadium. Big money games. Week one are going to come in there for week zero games. You'll see like, you'll see like USC Alabama might be played there. You could see uh, Washington playing um, North Carolina, you know, big Texas play Oregon or something like that. Big time games there. Mountain West. This is a way to lure opponents, whether it's Vegas or the rebels or Utah state plays a game there, a neutral site game. Yeah, it's like there's opportunities abound, but we'll see. Whew, we're getting long here, man. We're almost 45 minutes. Okay, well, uh, where do you want to go from here? Should we get to the new comedian in town? Is he uh, is he doing a residency at the Cosmo? Sounds like he should be. He's balding. <laughs> Bill Hancock. <laughs> oh, Lord. Did you hear what he had to say today? I didn't listen to it, but I read everything he talked about. I did, but we should probably explain it for our listeners. So, um, is there a state lottery in California, Matt? There is. There's actually several state lotteries. And there's a Powerball, correct? There is. It's about five bucks to play, ten bucks to play, two dollars per play. Oh, that's okay. It maybe varies per state. I don't have a lottery here in Utah, and I haven't been in Texas forever, so I don't recall the price range. So. The odds of winning the Powerball are pretty slim because you hear about it getting to $500 million, $800 million. People here in Utah driving either 90 minutes to Nevada or 90 minutes to Wyoming or a couple hours to Idaho or south to Nevada. Mm-hmm. Basically a long shot, but you theoretically have a chance, right? In theory, yes. That's what, that's what Craig Bull or yeah, other bald guy. That's what Bill Hancock's saying. Yes, the Mountain West has a chance to get in. Every group of have a conference has a chance to get in. Well, I have a chance to win lottery or win the Powerball, or I have a chance to win the penny slot and get a million dollars. That's not going to happen, though. It'll take an obscene fortune, good fortune to get there. And he's just, and I know, he, and I get he's doing his job, but it's like, come on, don't toy with people or people who will believe him. See, we got a chance. Yeah, technically there's a chance, but not really. Would you like me to play devil's advocate for a moment? Of course. It's, it's, it's always boring to agree. What do you have for me? So, I mean, yeah, it's obvious. It's easy to make jokes about that kind of statement because it seems like it's a pipe dream for a team like any of ours in the Mountain West to reach those heights. But Boise State was there less than a decade ago. And so was TCU, and you know, so was Utah in a certain sense. I was trying to go back through the annals to try and find a template that I thought would make this statement more true than it seems on its face. And the answer that I came to was that, at least in my opinion, yes, a Mountain West team could make it to the top four. But it's going to take more than one year to do it. And the reason I say that is because I was thinking a lot about the 2010 Boise State Broncos. 
Goalposts <laughs> were not regulation. That's for Chris. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rehash all of that, but suffice it to say, you know, they were 12-1, and one, and if they had gone, if they had beaten Nevada in that game that year, they would have, I mean, obviously they would have been in a BCS Bowl. I'm fairly convinced that they would have had a shot at the national championship. But at a minimum, going into that game, they were ranked third. And so I went back and I looked at, you know, who they played that year. They ended up beating, you know, a very good top 15 Virginia Tech in the opener. And then they also beat an Oregon State team that was, you know, ranked at the time and didn't end up being very great. And then they demolished pretty much everybody in the whack right up until that Nevada game. And I think that if you are a Mountain West team that is aspiring to reach that top four, to me, that's the kind of level you need to reach. It's not going to be easy, but it's also kind of prefaced by the fact that, you know, the year before in 2009, you know, yes, Boise State's schedule the previous year wasn't quite as strong. I'm looking at, you know, sports reference under college football. They have Boise's schedule in 2009 ranked 97th out of 120. So it's not great, right? But they went undefeated and they dominated pretty much everybody. They really only had a couple of close calls that year and they ended up finishing the year ranked 6th. So I think that, you know, if some of these teams in the Mountain West this year can reach the ceilings that you and I have discussed in our preview podcasts in the past, and I'm thinking most specifically about teams like Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, I'm fairly convinced that if they can finish with one loss, which probably means getting to a New Year's Bowl game and winning it at a minimum, my thinking is that the next year they're probably going to start somewhere around the top 20. And if you can start there and go undefeated with the kind of schedules that those three teams have going into 2018, if they go undefeated, they can get to the top four. Can I play devil advocate to your devil's advocate? <laughs> you absolutely can. I get your point, but here's the thing. Let's go back to... Well, I, I found the article I was looking up because Bill Connolly did like, hey, well, here's what happened if there was a playoff going back to 98. Okay. But before we get to that, because I definitely want to bring that up because there's one specific team I want to mention. Okay, so I get your point, and we all know you have to build up, build up, build up to get there. Like, look at basketball. Gonzaga, Wichita State have built up cred where Gonzaga can lose and still get a number one seed in the NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah. But football, okay, Texas Tech, Indiana, Illinois, Kansas, you're telling me, you have to have the, you're telling me you have to have the build up for a group of five team like Houston. They had to build up to be, be in the Florida State in the Peach Bowl, open up versus Oklahoma. Hancock does mention had they got undefeated, probably had a chance to get in. Maybe, maybe not. I would still say side till no, side the not side, just because that's me. If Illinois football, no, 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 Kansas football. Goes thirteen and zero. They're in the playoff, despite them being terrible forever. This year, if they go thirteen and zero, they would be in the playoff, right? <laughs> hey, no, I'm just saying. No, come on. You'd have to. They win the Big Twelve outright. They beat Oklahoma. They beat Texas. They beat Oklahoma State. They they win the big the new Big Twelve title game. They go undefeated in the Big Twelve. They're in the playoff. 
Okay. Can't argue that. So yes. So my point but, is, but 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 if they go if they go thirteen and zero and win the Big Ten title, yeah. they more ranked teams probably than anybody in the Mountain West faces this year. Oh, I get that, but I'm, I'm noting the absurdity that you have to build up to get there because Nick Stevens could be gone, Brett Rippon could be gone next year, Michael Gallup's going to be gone. It's a different team. But if this no-name team from a power conference had went 0-12, then goes 13-0, they're getting in. I get the schedule's tougher, but they'll get the benefit of the doubt despite, let's just say your Fresno State Bulldogs. I know they play Alabama, or let's use San Jose State because their schedule's not quite as tough. They got South Florida. If they go 13-0, they're not going to sniff the playoff. They might not even sniff the big money bowl game at 13-0. They probably will, but I'm just saying, if they go 13-0 this year, yeah, they beat a good South Florida team. They're in the bad West division. They'll beat a ranked San Diego State team at some point, likely. Maybe a ranked team in the other division. They might be 15th in the country. But if Kansas goes undefeated, they're going to be top four. I know it's not fair, but I'm just saying, like, come on. That's one point I have. I mean, to some extent, I think it'll also depend, like, just how dominant a given team is. Because you go back and look at how badly Boise State beat teams besides Nevada in 2010. Oh, yeah. Like, there's there's no doubt that they earned that number three ranking. Mm -hmm. And if you compare it to, for example, the, the best recent example that we have is last year's Western Michigan team. You know, they had a close call in their opener against Northwestern. And... You know, they you know, won by comfortable margins in, against pretty much everybody else in their schedule, but they weren't on the level of Boise State last year. Like, if they were beating teams by, like, 50 points the same way that Boise was in some weeks back in 2010, you know, that, that Broncos team was a complete team. Like, there were, what, one, two, three, four, five weeks that year where they gave up six points or less. Or seven points or less, rather. But then and, again, look how long it took them to get there. Oh four, they got shut out, had to go to the Liberty Bowl versus Louisville. They finally get in versus Oklahoma. They, nobody's going to believe them. They got through and beat Adrian Peterson. It took them years and years of zero losses and one losses to even get to that point. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that there are some teams in the conference that have built up that kind of benefit of the doubt. Where if they have, no, it's a only Boise State. Nobody else. Only Boise State. I would say. I think it's those three teams that I mentioned before. I, if if the Rams go undefeated and that includes a win at Alabama, I still wouldn't be convinced they'd get in the playoff. Well, and remember, the big difference is you're not getting to the top two anymore. You only need to get to the yeah. top four. I hear you. Let me get to this article really quick that Bill Connolly did a while back. It's a couple years old. He starts with 98, but let's move up to 04 because that's the first year a team got in where University of Utah. That year I watched I watched every game. I think I was at every game. I was at the Fiesta Bowl that year. They smoked everybody. He, he, he kind of goes through, like, here's the likely contenders and obvious playoff spots. Bill puts in Utah 4, which I don't know if they would have got in because they were six. That was the year also mm-hmm. Texas and Cal when uh, Mac Brown did his best politicking over Jeff Tedford to get in to the uh, whatever bowl game they got into. And so he picks Utah, but I don't know if that'd be the case. Maybe, maybe not. But he even he even notes that I may be, be, may be naive or hopeful, but I think Utah gets in. But then if you look at all the others where there's a uh, a big, uh, what do you call non-big, whatever, a non-BCS team getting in. Next mm-hmm. wasn't until, go down here, Oklahoma or Boise State 
Or no, that's Utah in 08. Sorry. I should have looked at this while I was talking. Uh, Boise State. Was that 06 they beat? They played Oklahoma? Is that right? Uh, yeah, is... here it is. Okay. Yeah, here it is. He Boise State wouldn't get in. He points out, even though despite them being undefeated and crushing their conference competition, even Utah in 08 probably wouldn't get in, even though that's year they beat um, Alabama. Not just beat, just smoked Alabama. That's year they barely beat Michigan in the opener, and they had a crazy come from behind Oregon State, who beat, uh, um, who was it before, uh, USC a week or two before. It includes undefeated Boise State as well. Oh, wait, doesn't get in. That's year they, I think, and I don't I forget what bowl game they go there, but two mid-major teams undefeated don't get in. Then The closest one or the best chance was that te- 2010 TCU team because had um, Texas not been given that extra second, they would have been in the national the BCS title game that year. Because mm-hmm. Colt McCoy threw that ball. That's what Nick, playing um, Nagama can sue from Nebraska. He chucks out of bounds high. Technically, the clock's supposed to stop when it hits the ground. He throws it high in the air. They give him one second left. And remember from there, but 2010 is the only legitimate year I could say that a team would have gotten in outside. Either Boise State that year had they beat Nevada or TCU doing what they did in 2010. Every other year, they're always on the outside looking in no matter what. And so maybe I'm, I'm a skeptic, skeptic, but looking at history – just that TCU team would be in, and that includes multiple teams getting into the big money bowl games. So when it, when Hancock's saying, yeah, there's a chance, I get it, but it's not fair. Like my example with Kansas, Kansas goes 13-0, they're getting in. If San Jose State goes 13-0, they're not getting in. Even if Colorado State goes 13-0 this year, they're not getting in, including a win over Alabama. I don't think they'd get in, so. Well, somebody's just going to have to go undefeated and, and test this theory for themselves. South Florida this year, they go undefeated. They're not getting in. Their schedule's not oh, good enough. They have a terrible schedule. Yeah, unfortunate for them, so we'll see. All right, so let's get let's get to some fun stuff. Um, is Nick Rolovich your favorite coach? He might be. Is he more, more favorite than your own Jeff Tedford? Yes. <laughs> That's not hard to do, is it, until Tedford starts winning. Um, so if you haven't heard, um, Nick Rolovich is pretty a pretty fun guy on Twitter. So he hired an Elvis impersonator to follow him around for a couple hours on the first day of media days out of his own pocket. Do you know how much it costs for him to do so? I do not. He paid $350 per hour at, for two hours. That's a, that's a good afternoon's work if you can get it. Do you know what his actual um, first choice was? Uh, Celine Dion? A monkey. Hmm. He wanted to bring a monkey with him to Media Days. However, that cost $2,000 and also um, a lot of paperwork. And he said he doesn't like to do paperwork. That's fair. Isn't that why they have interns on staff? You would think. Yeah, but there's also other sanctions, not sanctions, but like uh, you can't just have any sort of animal with you indoors. So. That's for that. Okay, so that's fair. Yeah, so that's fair. Like, there's there's other reasons besides the money issue and paperwork because permits and things got in the way as well. And how, but how cool would that be if he had a monkey with him throughout media days? How great would that be? I mean, I would rather have a monkey hanging out at media days than you know a lobster bake or whatever it is the American does. They can keep that clam bake. Hey, the clam bake's going away because they're moving their headquarters to Dallas. 
Oh, of course. But then they get to have good Texas barbecue, but whatever. Or yeah. Mexican. I'd prefer Mexican food, but you get, it'd probably be barbecue, I'm assuming. But that was pretty cool. And then did you see uh, Coach Brennan's, um, some people call bowling shoes from San Jose State that have their own Twitter account? Those bright blue I and did. yellow shoes. <laughs> and I strongly encourage everybody to go follow that Twitter account, which is at the shoes six. And these shoes aren't just a new thing. They've been around for a while. And they only have 103 followers, so we need to get more follows for them. And here's the other thing, is that, you know, the I'm assuming these are more like formal kinds of shoes, which honestly, I feel like they look pretty bitchin'. I could never pull it off myself. There are tennis but shoes. But I think the most recent tweet has a pair of tennis shoes. Good. Yeah, and that was going to be the other thing, is that, you know, that's not the only pair of shoes. And actually, you know, the Spartan blue and yellow tennis shoes look pretty sharp i could never get away with those either i'm more of i'm more more of a winter colors i think than a summer colors i but i like the way that they look i think they're a good look for him no it's excellent you got that going on and then um what else we're kind of wrapping up some loose ends here uh let's get to the point where let's wrap up on this because we're at about an hour long I know we covered things here and there, but I know we went off on the American Six and Bill Hancock, but that's the fun stuff, man, right? Debating and telling them how stupid they are. And everybody's already seen the, the preseason order of list and all that stuff for the uh, player of the year and stuff. So let's get to another Nick Rolovich special. He decided last year to welcome all the coaches to the conference or say, yeah, we, we're rivals. We don't like, we want to beat you when we play. But how about we get some camaraderie because the, this possession or excuse me, profession's not super easy. It can be difficult, um, stressful. You work a million hours a week. So he brought this out, a gift exchange. And some gifts I like, but I'm disappointed in some of these schools. So you, Okay, so what do you think is the best gift? Well, Rocky Long's gift is the best, I'm, I'm assuming. You can never go wrong with beer, especially yeah. local brews. Yeah, I feel like – yeah. I feel like if he wanted to, he could probably steer this thing where everybody just brings local beer next year. Mm-hmm. Because I'm I'm looking at the the coaches who aren't on this list, and I'm thinking of Mike Bobo, and you know New Belgium's new Fort Collins exclusive brew that oh I yeah the Rams brew really, whatever it's called really want to go find a find an excuse to go try it somehow. Um. I'm thinking, you know, Fresno State, which brought nuts, which is. It's Fresno known for nuts. Well, we are the agricultural capital of planet Earth. And yes, Fresno County is known for almond. um, Oh, almond. I was going to say avocado is technically a nut. So maybe they brought a bag of avocados. Avocado is a fruit, Jeremy. Oh, it is. It has a a seed in it. It's not a nut. (laughs) I thought it was a nut. Fruit has seeds in it too. <laughs> I guess every plant has a seed in it. <laughs> I'm, but I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of like everything that they sell on campus at the farmers market here. You could do so much better than nuts. Here, let's go through. Like, here, bring six pack of General Sherman IPA next year. Exactly. Everybody's gonna thank you for like, it. Like, I'm not a beer guy, but that's a pretty good gift to get. Local brew and a mixture of a sampler pack. So here's what here's what the teams we've known brought. This is over from the Idaho Statesman. I thought every school was on it, but not. So you got Utah State bringing honey, which. Appropriate. It is, being the beehive state, 
Maybe I'm spoiled because I have a beehive. Well, not me. My wife's family has a beehive, and I can get really good honey. But I'm not a honey guy, and so I'm trying to think what else Utah could bring. I'm like, you know what he should have brought? Fry, because do you know what fry sauce is? Like a dipping sauce for ketchup and stuff, or like French fries. I mean, have you heard of fry sauce? I have heard of fry sauce. I have never experienced fry sauce personally. That's what he should. That's what he should have brought. Because honey's good, fresh honey. But it's basically like the ba- most basics of it is like ketchup and may- mayonnaise, essentially, because it's like a pink color. Oh. But it tastes much yeah, yeah. better than that. So if you put those together, yeah, that's probably technically te- technically what it is. But it's much more than that. Like Carl's Jr. here has fry sauce you can get. That's what most people get with like when I first moved here. I'm like, I'll give it a try. It was good. It's a it's just a type of dipping sauce and it's amazing. I that he should have brought that instead. San Jose did a pretty good job bringing a bottle of wine because you're near that part of the country. So that's pretty solid. That makes that makes perfect sense. Lots of local wineries up there. Okay, Nevada barbecue sauce? Question mark. I like barbecue sauce. But I it do. does kind of pay like comparison to beer and wine. I'm just wondering why though. Like, what's the point? Just because, is there a local Reno fan, Wolfpack fans? Tell us, is there some sort of special barbecue sauce in Reno or something we should be aware of? Someone tell Jay Norvell to get in contact with us and tell us what kind of barbecue sauce he brought to the gift exchange or the other coaches. Cause this is to every other coach that that's also true. And that's not a bad choice. And then like, cause at Fresno state nuts, Okay, Hawaii candies yeah. and cookies. They're better by macadamia nut cookies. Rolovich, you better come strong if that was if that what you're bringing, cookies and candy. That's true. I mean, you Rolovich started the whole thing, so there's high expectations for kind of setting a de- setting a good standard of gift giving. I do have like one of our Hawaii guys a couple years ago. Oh crap, I think it's Brandon. He sent me and Chris like a bunch of stuff from Hawaii. I got a big bag of excellent macadamia nuts. And macadamia nut cookies. Oh boy, very good. And we already said San Diego State. And also, um, Rocky Long attempted to get them all on ice so they're cold upon arrival. He said that sort of worked, but I think Rocky Long gets the MVP for this. Then you have UNLV, which is probably the worst gift overall. I think Tony Sanchez went to the gift shop to, to get these Vegas branded golf balls and towels and gift packs. I'm not gonna say it's the worst gift. But I am going to say it's probably the tackiest gift. Yeah. Like, was it a Vegas.com gift pack or something? I have no idea. Like, what would you get? We're in Vegas recently. What would you get? If you're from UNLV, what would you, what would be something that's, because there's not really, like, Las Vegas is a bunch of people who aren't from Las Vegas, essentially. You got a lot of older people from East Coast to warm weather, a lot of people from California, a large university on campus. There's not like a local feel there. What would you like? Is there something you think that'd be better from Vegas? Hmm. I don't know. You could just go to the M&M store or something. Okay, sure. I don't know. It's just, it does seem kind of tacky. It's like, oh, I forgot. It's like crap. I your friend's party. Let me run to the Seven Eleven and grab something there. I could get to bring over or the AM PM or something. The worst one is the last one. You think so? I was debating between that and Las Vegas, Boise state potatoes. Now, potatoes totally make sense. We got Spuddy, right? The famous Idaho potato. Spuddy Buddy, exactly. That's right, Spuddy Buddy. But it, but in the context of this kind of gift exchange, it's totally disappointing. Did you hear Coach Harson's uh, reasoning for giving Idaho spuds? 
uh, you know, like team cookouts and stuff like that. Yeah, that's not, at least he has good thought to it. Maybe he got them a fifty pound bag, which I guess I guess quantity would make it a little more palatable because he's like gift. use it for a team meal and like you have five guys in out near part of the wood, neck of the woods, right? Or yes. is it? Don't they usually put where the potatoes come from on their chalkboard or something every day? I haven't been to five guys in years. Okay. I haven't been a few months ago. I think they usually put where they're from. And typically where I'm at, they come from Idaho. So it's good stuff. But I like what he gave last year, the Idaho spud candy, marshmallow and chocolate candy. Now, see, I would be totally be on board with that, but then I'm a sucker for candy. So Yeah. I've had it before. It's pretty good. Potatoes make, I was, was going to say, no, that's the worst gift overall, but I would think with uh, what you can use it for, and if it's going to be, give it to the cooks or chefs at each school, that that's, that's worthwhile. Like how much honey are they getting? What are you going to do with a bottle of wine? That's just for the coach. Same with Rocky Long. Well, well, Rocky Long's gift is probably the best. That's just for the coaches and probably so just the head coach. I'll, I'll, I'll amend my answer contingent on just how many potatoes each coach <laughs> reaches or each coach receives. Because he mentions for if a team it, meal. If, it, if it's 50 pounds of potatoes, then I'm going to change my answer and say that it's Fresno State with the worst gift. <laughs> Here's why I'm thinking it's a lot because he couldn't carry it on the plane this time. And he went to a company, Simplot, who probably just gifted it to him, like a donation or something. And he mentions for mm. a cookout. I'm betting it's at least a 50-pound bag. Would a 50-pound bag even give half the football team food for part of a meal? <laughs> You're talking about at least... 80, what is it, 83 scholarship athletes plus you know, walk-ons plus staff and Coaches, everything like that? managers. Uh, you would be cutting it close, I think. <laughs> or something. I would say the best gift has to be Rocky Long. Maybe Hawaii, yes. depending on what type of cookies or candy it was. But I'm still saying UNLV is the worst gift. Yeah, I mean, San Diego State is the best gift, not only because it's beer, but because it's beer delivered to each coach's room individually. That is a classy move from a two-time conference-winning champion coach. He's got that bonus money. Come on, he could just yeah. throw it out there. So what? What? So what teams are we missing here? We're missing CSU. Uh, I'm missing Air Force. Air Force and New Mexico. New Mexico, bring your green chili. Come on, simple. <laughs> and we're missing Wyoming. Wyoming. You know what you, you know what you bring from Wyoming? Buffalo meat, buffalo burgers. Ooh yes. Have you ever had a buffalo burger before? I have not had buffalo burger. I have had buffalo poutine before. Interesting. It was very tasty. I've had my brother, part of his business, he gets buffalo burgers, and so I've had plenty of those. That's a simple one. Uh, Like I said, New Mexico, green chili. So what would Air Force bring? A fighter jet? (laughs) I was thinking something along those lines. Like, uh... actually, you know what, though? Like, if they wanted to follow San Diego State's lead and bring... Yeah local craft brews colorado springs is all about that action i can tell you that from firsthand experience yeah, there you go just everybody bring beer next year there you go exactly all right anything else we need to discuss i think we've exhausted almost everything on media days there's a few things we didn't touch on I, but i think we're pretty much set uh jay norville did tear up talking about being a head coach so if you want to watch that go to the reno gazette or was rgj.com um Garrett Hughes with a straight face said New Mexico New Mexico's goal is to go undefeated. We'll see. Um, would, would you expect anybody to say anything different? No. I would not, but it's just something to note. T 
typically some right. team goals are conference champion or like you know the TCU pyramid thing where it's like we got this this and this like some teams may, may not stay undefeated or they may be the top of their pyramid but their goal like is like uh, win the conference or something or win the division something like that but I think that's it for media days we discussed everything we have other other articles on the website we've talked about we have uh, articles upcoming forthcoming about uh, Mountain West media days Fall camps are starting this week with week zero. Um, we had very all. What do we got here? We got a couple more. We got, who, who's our next two previews? We have we've already recorded Hawaii. That's coming up pretty soon. We also have UNLV and Air Force. Is that going to round out our twelve previews? That's it, and then it's the big overall season preview. Amazing. So that's our show for tonight. So check us out at collegefootballnews.com. Check us out, MWCY on Facebook, uh, Twitter. Head over to our Patreon page if you want to play fantasy football or throw us a few bucks. And, yeah, that's our show for tonight. We'll see you guys uh, next time where we're talking Hawaii football and everything else. I'll be back with a few daily shows here and there. But, as always, we're always biased against your team.